Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Lee Humphreys. She's the author of The Qualified Self, a book about social media and the past. This is Technotopia. Hey, Technotopia listeners, have I got a story for you. Let's go back to 2014. Two researchers are tinkering with a design for a security robot that will patrol your house and guard your stuff when you're not around. But there was a problem. There wasn't all that much the robot could do to stop an intruder. So rather than simply halt development, the two researchers decided to pivot. And by doing so, they realized they had a device that would create a whole new category in robotics. That story is a sneak peek into the robotics episode of a podcast I just started listening to and I love. It's called Trailblazers from Dell Technologies. This podcast is so good. It's hosted by best-selling author Walter Isaacson. And Isaacson has been one of my favorite authors and thinkers. And he's been writing about technology for decades. In his new podcast, he explores stories of disruption peppered in with insights and lessons from trailblazing guests. To listen to it, I want you to search Trailblazers on your favorite podcast app or stream it on DellTechnologies.com slash Trailblazers. That's DellTechnologies.com slash Trailblazers. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Lee Humphreys. She's associate professor of communication at Cornell University and the author of The Qualified Self, Social Media and the Accounting of Everyday Life. Welcome, Lee. Wow, thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is super. So tell me about this book. Uh, I got excited about it because I hate social media, and I want to figure out what your your assessment is. Um, So the book uh, (laughs) looks at social media, but more broadly, it looks at the way that people use media to document their lives and to share it with others. Mm And um, it turns out people have been doing this for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You define media broadly. Um, and so in the book, I compare the way that people use social media today to things like diaries and scrapbooks and photo albums and slideshows that we used to have to sit mm-hmm. through. Um, so the, the idea is that... Um, uh, when you make these historical comparisons, you can see what's really new about new media. Um, and if you only compare social media to broadcast media of the 20th century, it seems really strange and different. Mm-hmm. But if you put it into a longer historical context, you see that many of the things that people do today, people have been doing for a long time. Sure. Like you have photo aggregation, you have... Uh scrapbooking and then i the, there's also i guess a, a connection with like the uh, the victorian postcards and things uh yeah. the, the small the small letters i guess there was a victorian internet back in the old days where you basically sent a postcard over uh from uh, from house to house like a like an instant message yeah i think for in one of the things i talk about in the in the book are these things called pocket diaries mm-hmm. and so, um, and these were like mid 19th century diaries and continue, you can buy them at Staples today. They don't call them pocket diaries, right? But they're little two by three little notebooks um, that uh, were called pocket diaries because they were small enough to be put in your waistband of your skirt or the pocket of your pants and you could carry them with you mm-hmm. to jot things down. And um, it turned out that people really loved them. And it, that those diaries for me were really helpful in understanding Twitter, mm-hmm. actually, because uh, it turns out when when you constrain the amount of space people have to write, 
sometimes people actually find that constraint really liberating. Um, and, and so, uh, I always compare it to, um, for my students, uh, the, the sort of stress you feel at sitting down to a blank word document that mm -hmm. you feel need to fill versus the stress or lack of stress that you feel sitting down to a post-it note that somehow you fill the space you have. And when you only have a little bit of space, then you don't have to worry about saying too much. And that can be really nice. Interesting. So yeah, you have a, you have a travel journal here, uh, yeah. like highlights of the trip and it's, it's almost like the old baby books. Uh, which we never really did. We actually made we made computerized baby books. We basically did it. We basically printed it on Apple or whatever, put some photos up. But I remember back in the we used to yeah. put a lock of hair in there and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, these traces, a footprint, you mm -hmm. know, all of these little things um, to help us uh, remind ourselves how little these people are. Um, there's this great archive of baby books, actually. Oh wow. Um, at UCLA, and uh, interestingly enough, they are um, uh, almost always for first children, mm -hmm. yep, <laughs> and exactly. they're always <laughs> incomplete. And I I love that because it's very easy to document a very sedentary child, but once they or a baby, but once they learn how to walk, um, you don't have to. <laughs> you're chasing them, you know. Um, and yet, uh, I think baby books are a really fabulous example of creating traces about people for them. Um, but the author's own identity is very much wrapped up in the traces of others. Mm -hmm. And I think we see this all the time on social media. Um, but uh, the mother is very much implicated to be a good mother, you know, in these baby books. Um, mm -hmm. It's not just the vitality and, you know, favorite foods of the baby. Hmm. So that, well, this this is great because it's optimistic. And I, 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 as I said at the start, uh, I'm not a huge fan of social media right now. I think it's, I think it's, I mean, it, it, a, a pocket diary never encouraged somebody to go. Uh, I don't know, have a have a fake uh, have a fake protest outside of in a, in the middle of I don't know Homestead, Florida, or something like that. So it's right. a weird. So we're in a weird position where we can broadcast our pocket diaries. And and we and we we get a feedback loop of, I guess it's not bad behavior, but um, uh, biased behavior towards a certain group, and we get more popular that way. Is there a precedent for that, or am I, or is that the new thing that we're looking at here? Um. So I think two things. One is that pocket diaries were actually shared. Mm -hmm. So this is an important element that. Um, as we think about historical media, they certainly were circulated and were exchanged and people would write in the margins of each other's diaries. Or um, I did a study where I compared a civil war diarist with um, a military blogger. And we looked at the kinds of things that they were writing about and to whom they were addressing their thoughts. And both of them, because it was very common during the civil war mm -hmm. for for to publish the letters of um, of soldiers. Okay. Uh, the soldiers knew that the, what they were writing would be circulated within the community because we didn't have embedded journalists back then, you mm -hmm. know. And so they would write, recognizing two various audiences, you know, Mr. Smith. I saw Jimmy two weeks ago. He's fine, you know. Um, and so I think this notion that historical media were very private and that it's only recently that they've become public um, is is um, is not true. Uh, wow. But the 
options of publicity um, and the accelerated rate of exchange and even the potential reach, I think, have um, certainly expanded. So I don't want to say that, you know, the person writing their letter to their mother when they're in the Civil War, you know, it, it, it didn't go viral, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't want to suggest that. But uh, I do think that the differences are largely in a matter of degree rather than complete categorical differences because people have for a long time talked about what they're doing and with other people okay. um, through media. And that that's not entirely new. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I guess the I guess the vi- uh, is the virality the difference, or are we? Or could we say that Dickens was the first uh, Tumblr blogger? I guess. Uh, I would say fan um, fiction. The fundamental difference actually has to do more with the commodification of the platforms themselves. Okay. So one of the things that's really interesting is people have for a long time have used commercial media to document their lives and to share it with others. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about scrapbooks in the early, late 19th century, early 20th century. Um, These uh, scrapbookers were taking new material culture and and using them to to write their own books, right? Um, uh, Ellen Gruber Garvey has this great argument about that. and uh and 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 we see the same thing on pinterest right mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so uh i think um you know if we compare that to something again like kodak mm-hmm. right again in the early 19th century i mean the early 20th century when you bought a camera from kodak you got the film and then you would send your film back to kodak and they would send you prints and so um, it's actually very similar to facebook in many ways in that the company had complete access mm, okay. to all of like you were reliant on their technology they had complete access to all of your content so to speak oh, wow. okay the difference is of course kodak made its money from the technological innovation and the service that they provided. Um, whereas Facebook provides it for free, takes your content and uh, uh, commodifies that. Sure. So I think that's a very important difference. And, and what it does is I think it adds a level of precarity to this, this time when so much of our communication occurs through and on these platforms. If Facebook went away tomorrow, many people's photos would be gone, okay. right? Because they have to delete them from their phones mm-hmm. because the memory is, you know, uh, is, not, is not big enough. And so I think there's a kind of precarity. And so one of the things that I think we're seeing actually is a, a rise of what I, I talk about in the book is um, the post-digital um, and it sounds really, it's a big academic, not big, but it's like an academic way to talk about making snapfish books. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> right? Like, um, that's all it is, is that we're taking these digital traces, these photos, these Instagram posts, these whatnot, and we are creating material books. Um, and there's a, there's a really important value. There's a reclaiming of ownership over our traces mm-hmm. through these books, which can, which are very often gifted, actually. This is a big gift among um, certainly families. Uh, and so, but I think it's actually a reclaiming of ownership um, in this time when these platforms 
so control um, our our memories and our traces. Hmm. Wow. So we're going back to artisanal uh, artisanal photo books. I guess yes. almost everything is 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 spinning back that way. I was uh, I was just talking about the uh, the move from horses to cars and the idea now that horse riding is sort of is sort of artisanal. I guess you really don't uh, you don't do it for you don't do it to get around. You do it for fun, basically. But I, this seems far more important, the, the, the ideas of keeping memories uh, intact that way. Um, yes, it, it, important in different kinds of ways, mm -hmm. right? Important in people's lives, in their everyday lives. And I think part of the thing about social media is that so much of our understandings of it are actually about the exceptions. Mm -hmm. um, so it's about the revolutions, and it's about Trump, and it's about all of these um, very much exceptions to what most people in their everyday lives actually use these platforms for. Mm -hmm. um, you go on vacation, you come back, you post photos, right? Like your kid's spring concert, you post a video of it, right? A lot of these very kind of mundane things often get overshadowed in the larger discourse of what people are doing on mm -hmm. these platforms. And I think um, that's um, unfortunate because they serve a really important uh, role. And that is the reason why people are sharing these traces is because it fundamentally reinforces our social connections with others. So the fact that my mom made a pot roast mm -hmm. is not news. Of course it's not news. But um, I want to know because I love my mom's pot roast, right? Mm -hmm. And it, and the fact that I even know she made it is a sign of our intimacy. And so if you use 20th century understandings of what media are for, that is information dissemination, um, entertainment, then these, then someone posting a photo of what they are eating does seem really, can be perceived as narcissistic. Mm -hmm. But if you know that person, you love that person, then you're like, oh, that's awesome. They had that amazing cheesecake. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be perceived within that lens. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the point. Yeah, I, that's, that's why I don't like social media right now, because everybody uses it as a, as a broadcast thing, and they all assume that they're going to get famous from it, and it, doesn't, it just doesn't feel, that, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like you've basically created a... a system for dumping i don't know like i look at facebook now and it's just political political thing after political thing and then some funny photo that somebody grabbed from uh from reddit or whatever and there's really no i don't i don't feel any um human interaction there and it it could be a it could be a, uh, a function of how many people i have floating on this thing uh the value of the content etc cetera, etc cetera. what is what does social media look like in 20 years uh that's a great question mm -hmm. um well See what um, anti-privacy legislation continues to get passed in Europe. I think, um, but uh, I, I mean, it was the same thing when the internet came about, or even when cell phones came about. At least in the United States, people were like, "What?" Or technologists were very surprised that um, text messaging took off. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think very mundane. The same thing with email, right? We really didn't think email would become as important and popular as it has as it became and i think these very interpersonal forms of communication are absolutely essential 
to how people live their lives. I think communicating um, with loved ones is a fundamental basic human need mm-hmm. um, and becomes all the more important in a globalized society. So I don't know if it's going to be um, uh, Facebook necessarily, but I think enabling people to communicate um, um, and communicate orally and visually uh, is going to be absolutely essential. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as as you said, Kodak Kodak was the biggest company, and I didn't I didn't even realize the fact that you would be you would send the stuff in. I guess there was I guess when we were doing it, we were sending in like Super 8 movies. I think you would put them in an envelope and send them in. Uh, but I didn't realize you had yeah. to put your all your film in and send it over. And they were basically the the biggest company for that. They were gigantic. And now they're now they're I don't know making a Bitcoin miners or whatever they're doing now. Kodak is really the Google of the twentieth century. Okay, so the 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 changes that are afoot. This is so everything everything that's old is is basically new again, right? It, you would you would argue is the entire premise of this book. It's not the entire premise. There are some significant differences. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of what gets criticized is not new. Okay. Interesting. All right. So where can people find this book? Where can people find out more about your research? So the book is on uh, available on the MIT Press website. It's also available on Amazon. Just look for The Qualified mm-hmm. Self. Um, and uh, my website, if you just... I have a Cornell website, um, and you can learn all about my research and what I do uh, there. Okay, very cool. And if you buy the book, you actually get to see. Uh, I think there's pictures of you with the with a new baby in here too. So this there is, what is like a mem- this is like a memory book. <laughs> this is a permanent memory book that's been uh, it's now in the Library of Congress. It is very reflexive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Humphreys, author of The Qualified Self, Social Media and the Accounting of Everyday Life, MIT Press, available now. This has been Technotopia. Thank you for joining us, Lee. Thank you, John. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com Technotopia is presented by your host, John Biggs. It was produced by Rick Barr of Bar26 Entertainment at ricksvoice.com. It appears every Friday at noon, and we're always looking to talk to interesting people. Tweet at John Biggs if you'd like to join us on the show.